this just in. Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly slash fortnightly slash periodic podcast exploring the IMDb top 250 movies of all time. My name is Andrew. And I'm Darren. And this week we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. Which shot into the list last week on being released, uh, went straight up to 242, dropped down to 248, and then quickly vanished. Apparently Spider-Man doesn't stick around. Do Yeah, his fans on the web don't seem that fond of him. hi I got no third one to make that three of a kind. But anyway. It's the rule of threes, Darren. I know, it's a standard narrative practice. Uh, but anyway, speaking of actually, one of the things I liked about Spider-Man Homecoming, not to get too spoilery, is the fact that it had a second act. But we'll talk about that later. So, Andrew, what did you that's, make? That's normally... Um, a, a, a spoiler, a, to be a, clear a, on I, that. That's normally a hint that we're not going to talk about that thing later. <laughs> yes, that's that's normally what I do when I want to change the, the topic very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, like... like <laughs> It's like it's like when Peter Parker says he'll be right back. Yeah, or like when I talk about um, uh, na- na- nascent female sexuality, um, which 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 apparently which we, listeners resonated with listeners. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you speak. I think you speak to the masses, Andrew. Um, uh, what you're saying. And not the listeners you would think. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of nascent... People weren't like, yeah, I really enjoyed that in the podcast. No, no. It no, was, no. There was actually some nice feedback, which is very cool. Yeah. Did you read uh, The Onion's review of Spider-Man Homecoming? I yeah. have not. I haven't read anything about... Uh, Sp- I'm... I'm coming to this as as I as I like to. It's got nothing at all to do with the kind of person I am. I'm just coming to it ignorant. This, it's the choice, people. This is Andrew's movement, which we're going to call podcast verite. Um, it may also involve the sound of Andrew eating while the podcast is being recorded. But the Onion's review of this is fascinating because they what they did was they took the language that had been applied to say the Wonder Woman, the reviews of Wonder Woman where they talked about her powerful female body and the, the way the camera luxuriated on her features <laughs> and the way that, uh, and it applied this to 21-year-old Tom Holland. Um, and it, it's a wonderful work of sort of... 21, I, I don't feel so bad now. I don't feel quite as creepy as I did while watching the movie. But don't worry, and, his and, love interest... And his love interest is a senior as well. So and she's 27. She's, is she? Yeah, so you feel oh. less... Andrew feels God. much less creepy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like we'll probably talk about that <laughs> later. It's like I, I, I'm. It bothers me when all these uh, teens are put, portrayed by, with sexy young actors. Yeah, we were played by actors who are relatively close to our age because that's very, but, very yeah, confusing. That makes it okay. <laughs> yes, it's, it's like that terrible be, be with somebody who's over eighteen and looks under eighteen. Or someone who's it's 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 the question. I can't say I've ever been faced with that question, Andrew. <laughs> it's it's. I've never it, had that moment in my life. I, I believe it's it's some it's one of those um, horrible things. Either it, or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like there's there's no possible answer that you can have. That will get you. So this is like, have you stopped beating your wife? It's yeah, that sort exactly. Of question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where the trick is to go. Okay, it's my my round. Excuse me. Exactly. I I, I don't know who who posed that uh, question to you. Name and shame, Andrew. Name and shame. <laughs> we have a platform. We might as well use it in the show notes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. So, um, what did you make of Spider-Man: Homecoming? Um, I liked it. 
I guess I understand kind of where where it um, kind of came in and, and left. I, I like uh, that. You understand both it coming in and it leaving very quickly. Yeah, because like I felt like the, this this was um, this was good movie. It's likable. It's, it's, it's likable as the it's adjective very likeable. comes to mind. It was a bit underwhelming, I guess. And like you can't really see it... Um, Having the same sort of last yeah, appeal. Though. Yeah, like, it, it, there's nothing kind of, tra- um, I suppose, transcendent, which isn't, like, too yeah, much well, of a criticism. We've talked about this I, before. I, like, it I, not being one of the 250 best movies ever made is, is hardly the most crushing of criticisms. No. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, I, was, I was quite happy with it. And, yeah. I, 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 how, did it, how did it rank compared to the other Spider-Man movies for you? Well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm at other... a disadvantage. Have you seen any other I've Spider-Man? I've seen one. Which one? The that that um, Spider-Man. The um, very first one. Um, the, uh, the one with Willem Dafoe. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, cool. And, Going back and, to what two thousand and two, I think. Or... Uh, Toby Maguire of of Cider House Rules. Yes, that is what Toby Maguire is def- most definitely of. Yeah, and Kirsten Dunn of... Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, an interview with a vampire. Yes. But, um, so you you only seen that one. You didn't see the sequel to it, for example. I feel like I've seen bits of the second one with um, that Alfred guy Molina. from Sideways and, and Alfred <laughs> No, that's Molina. the third one. Is that the third one? The third one, has third the one also Simon. has Paul Giamatta. No, that's the second one of the second set. That's the fifth one. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's a lot. There, there are movies. far too there, many. There, yeah. When you want to reboot Spider-Man, you go younger and you go Britisher. That's the way it works. I, I haven't seen Civil War either. So this is a bit of an experience for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not get into too many spoilers. Because actually one of the things, occasionally when I when I get to invited to review things, there are studios and, and sort of movies about which they are very... There are some very, like, the, the PR people come down very hard on, please don't spoil this, please don't spoil this. Generally, it's an indicator the movie's not very good, but occasionally what will happen is it'll happen for a movie that has certain elements in it that are meant to be surprises for people who are familiar with the, the, the franchise or the, the product or the, you know, the, the, the property. So, for yeah. example, like, uh, Skyfall is one. Right. Uh, where we got, when we went to the screening of that, every single seat in the cinema uh, for the previous screening had a little note from Sony, which was very nice and very polite and said, look, we would like audiences to appreciate this movie on its own terms, so please don't mention anything from the second half of the movie. Well, what they should have done is they should have left these little spectre rings on, 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 on the seats. Seat. Even though I'm, I'm not somebody who particularly likes um, ju- jewellery. <laughs> well, no, I, I like uh, shady criminal organisations. It's, 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 uh, it's jewellery that I don't care for. I, uh, but, I like that that was the reason why you didn't yeah, get into spectre. They, Andrew just thought it was, it was too like gaudy. You're, you're all of the members of the audience, you're honorary members of spectre and you need to keep it secret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we we got there's one of those going into this. So oh this wait is, a second, sorry, I'm I'm talking. You're, you're, you're talking, talking about, about Skyfall. I'm, I'm talking about Spectre. Yes. What an hilarious yeah, misunderstanding. misunderstanding. To be fair, they are pretty much the same movie. Spectre, I would argue, is Skyfall. The done. villain is the same in each one. <laughs> <laughs> except, pretty much. Except you don't know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, well, yeah, that's the, and the villain from the previous two films is also the same one, even though you don't know it, and there's no way it makes sense. But enough about about those. One of the things about the the Homecoming Spider-Man Homecoming is that yeah, the, the 
before it was released, there was a huge sort of embargo and sensitivity about spoilers to the point where when I posted my review of it, I got one of the most astute observations that has ever been made in one of my reviews where I mentioned the kind of house that a character lives in. And I didn't like to discuss the architectural style or the number of, I don't know, windows or whatever. I just said they lived in a house that was nice. At which point somebody got on me and said, you shouldn't have said that because you spoiled the movie. I was sitting through the whole movie thinking this character lived in a nice house and it just ruined the experience for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I wish you had just told me that there was another movie on the list and, <laughs> and, and that we were going to see it and maybe the time that it was on and where. Because I, I, I kind of had a fair I, I, idea what this, what this movie was going to be. Now that I knew, like, the title... The, uh, where the screening was taking place, yeah. the poster for the movie, yeah, the protagonist of the movie, yeah, the event that takes place at the climax of the movie involving secondary school students or mm. high school students, if you will, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it just gives it all away. It's all to play for. So yes, spoiler: there may be a Spider-Man in where, this movie. Where is your head being? The yeah, head that you allowed this to slip through. Okay, Andrew, I'll tell you what. At some point, when we get through this rake of movies that are this just in, I will arrange a special secret screening of a movie and I will not tell you what it is until you arrive and watch it. How does that sound? What if it's an intervention? <laughs> Instead, which one of us is intervening on which one? You're, you're, you're intervening on me uh, be, 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 because of that addiction I have that nobody knows about. But you. <laughs> all right, then. And all the people you've told spoilers uh we'll talk about that in the second half of the podcast yeah i i liked spider-man I eat flowers that that's the problem just to be clear in case you're worried that it's something very hefty and serious no flowers is a code word um but anyway i i liked spider-man homecoming it just it's not i would argue it's not even the best superhero movie of the year by a considerable margin i would argue it's not even the second best superhero movie of the year so you, far uh, you reckon really like, do you think, okay, do you think it's better than Logan? No, no, but I would, I, do you I, think it's better I than Wonder Woman? it is better than Wonder Woman. Interesting. But having said that, Wonder Woman seemed like a much more kind of, you know, significant <laughs> movie than, than this. There was something kind of, um, there were, there was something about this movie where, where, where it seemed like, um, you know, when, when, when you're, ha when you're making a movie about a, uh, about a character, you take the most, I guess, interesting part. Well, un unless you're making a franchise, <laughs> um, like in 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 intentionally. So it, I guess then then it doesn't then it's not so important. Okay, but you take the most important aspects of the character and yeah, yeah, and 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 you focus on the the most crucial part of their story. And did you feel like this was it for Spider Man? Yes and no. It 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 it, it seemed Cut. it seemed like this. It seemed like the stakes were were much lower than in in Wonder Woman, for example, yeah. or in in most other Marvel movies, to be honest, which I quite liked. Like one of the things that I like, and we'll probably talk about it more in the spoiler zone, is the sense that this is a I don't want to say working class, but this is a more grounded superhero story. I like than, that. Yeah, I really yeah. like that aspect of it. Like it's a sense that it is like one of the great lines in the movie, and I feel like this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. No, it's not. It's not at all. But there's a moment where Peter Parker is running off to be Spider-Man. That's a spoiler. Apologies. And his friend, who is called Ned, that's also a spoiler. I apologize for that, says to him, but you've got a Spanish quiz. Also, that's a spoiler, and I apologize for that. But I feel like that's the right level of stakes for a Spider-Man movie. It's like, 
will Peter disappoint his friends? Will he make his Spanish quiz or will he end up embroiled in a fight to the death with a man who has a flying vulture suit? There's that a may lot also be a spoiler. Yeah. yeah, which I really liked about it because it's one of the things about Homecoming is that it is very clearly a teen movie in many ways. Like to the oh, point where there's right. a scene where they play Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. Which... The, the, the whole, like we'll probably talk about it a little bit shortly, but the, the, like we mentioned how, oh, this is a kind of a, a work, has, has like a working class kind of um, vibe vibe or theme to it it also completely doesn't yes we'll also talk about that um, um yeah because there is that there is that sort of delicate balance the movie sort of strives to hit and doesn't always hit that because and i think it's a problem in a lot of it's, teen movies where you get it's the sense weird because of... it's one of those things where 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 a movie kind of hints at something and then you're like wait a second but when you think about what's actually happening and what's actually being shown what the characters are saying doesn't really apply that much to it. Yeah, it's like like that um, Kevin Smith story where 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 he's um, he's meeting was it Barbara Streisand's uh, hairdresser? Oh, oh yes, the um, and he yeah, says Joel Silver, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's like we we when understand each Sup- other. We're... No, no, it's not we understand each other. It's, it's they're making Superman Returns. They're going to make Superman Lives. Yeah, and basically, so he said, you know, you and me, we understand Superman, and you know why that is. It's because we're from the street. Yeah, I feel like there was there was there was there was a conversation in in this movie that was kind of like had a similar flavor to it, and also like similarly didn't really kind reflect of... the reality of the situation. Yeah, I feel like there's a sense that this is a movie about teenagers, and I feel like we talked about I can't remember what it was we were talking about, what movie it was specifically, but we're in in Hollywood movies a lot of scenes involving teenagers seem to be written by people who have never encountered a real teenager in their life like they've just filtered them through 902 yeah i think we 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 were i mean well we were talking about childhood in in the context of 400 blows yes yeah but i mean i think that this is is sometimes it can it can be it can be quite hacky yeah I think this is better, but I still get the sense that like the only teenagers that, that the writers and producers and directors involved in this have encountered are probably those who attend really nice schools. Like, And I, I feel like that sort of filters through. I feel like the writing of the teenage characters, while the movie's consciously trying to be working class, I feel like the there isn't that nuance there. It, the, the kids feel like they come from an upper crust almost. Oh, like 100%. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Because the, the, the school that Peter goes to is, we'll probably talk a bit more about this in the spoiler zone, but it feels very much like an exclusive Bronx school to the point, sorry, exclusive Queen's school to the point where I think that Tom Holland went undercover in like one of the most elite uh, schools in New York in order to ground, to give Peter that feeling that he was from the street um, to the point where he had an ID badge to swipe in, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it is, it is... Um, it is an interesting contrast, but I'd I like... don't know how okay I'd be with with that. With like, a twenty-one-year-old as... kids <laughs> yeah. going up to your school. If I was the principal, if I were one of the teachers, one of the parents. Apparently, um... only the teachers knew who he was, and the students did until he got bored course... on his second day and just dropped it out there and let them Google him. I, I like that. That was Tom Holland's sort of threshold. The first day was interesting. Second day was boring. So about lunchtime, he announced to the world that and he they was. googled him, and they're like, "Oh, we didn't find anything because <laughs> you're not Spider Man yet." Yeah, you're not Andrew Garfield. What are you talking about? He's lying. <laughs> Get him. But I do like that. Um, actually, I like that that the movie is pitched as a teen movie, and I feel like that's one of the things about the Garfield, the Andrew Garfield movies, which are generally terrible. 
Although I have a soft spot for the second one because at least it's terrible in interesting ways. The Garfield Spider-Man movies, the one directed by Mark Webb, were trying to be like Twilight movies, but with Spider-Man. Okay. Which is as terrible as it sounds, um, but also kind of weirdly interesting. I've never seen those Twilight movies. I've heard there's tons of chemistry between between the... Is that the, what you've heard? That's what I've heard. There's tons of chemistry. Yeah. Between... between uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Is that the case? I would disagree with that. I think they're both very good actors, and I think they were both involved in relationship in real life when it happened, but I don't think either actor was giving those movies their A-game. Okay. That would have been my, my opinion, having watched them. Uh, but I, I do think... I do... We'll, we'll be talking about Twilight very soon. <laughs> yeah. Will it's we? only a matter only... of time. No, actually, <laughs> is this... Is, I, is I like that are I'm... any of the Twilight like... movies on the list? Because I, like I that... wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I like that Andrew's research for this podcast has never involved actually looking at the list and assessing I the movies I actually did list. go through the list. I went through the list like a few weeks ago. I was shocked. Shocked, <laughs> I tell you. Um, so, Andrew, was the, is there a Twilight movie in the top 100? I don't believe there is. I think it was Harry Potter. There, there may have been several Harry Potter movies at one point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get them confused. Harry Potter is a vampire too, right? Yeah, that's it exactly. It's funny you should mention Potter, because apparently that's the structure they want with the Homecoming movies. They want to do one movie for each year of Peter Parker being in high school. Oh. Yeah, so they want to follow that sort of model. Do you want to talk about the Sony thing? Because this took you by surprise. You were, like, when we arrived and sat down in the cinema, you were sort of shocked to see the Sony logo. And then you were also shocked to see the crappy Marvel logo that you complained about on the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. Yeah, it and rightly so. They they had something quite good with the with the old uh, Marvel banner where they had like the you could hear the flicking of of the of paper. Yeah, through 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 the old kind of um, drawn comic books. Yeah, and where, now they have this like. This weird well, it's fixated of... on their screen adaptation. So you have like script yeah, pages, so for like, example, why... and projected onto like the the M and the O or the inside of the letters of the Marvel yeah. logo. Because like, why should we have any affection for <laughs> these feature films that the... only began yeah. like nine years ago at this point? Yeah, like like what? nostalgia's catching up, Andrew. Nostalgia's catching up. Maybe maybe that's what this is. If we okay, it's long <laughs> enough now that we are nostalgic. We for have the Edward Norton Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. Th- We'll probably talk more about this in the sports one. I actually quite like that this is one. This is probably the the rare Marvel movie that I think of that is grounded in the idea that there are nine years of Marvel movies before it. Like it feels like one of the rare movies that explores the rare Marvel movies that touches on the fact that if you've had nine years of this crap happening to this version of New York City, Whoa. you're going to end up with weird. Hope you're going to bleep that down. I know we're very very censorous. Much like the the f words that are almost used in this movie. The, they they there are two almost f bombs. They do use the f word. They say f. Yes, they do. <laughs> f being the f word. But uh, yeah, I like that the the movie takes place in the context. Like it feels like it it unfolds in a world that has been invaded by aliens and where like stuff like guys flying around in metal suits are sort of taken for granted. Hmm. Like it's like, hey, there's a dude who has wings and and a vulture mask. That would seem kind of weird. Whoa! But... Spoilers. He lives in a house. <laughs> Is it a nice house? These are the questions. Well, with that in mind, we'll probably segue gently then into the spoiler zone. But first, Andrew, we touched on this earlier, but I feel like it's worth reiterating. Do you think this is one of the top 250 movies ever made? Nah. Okay. Um, but but like, don't don't count that <laughs> against it. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. 
I like I I mean I'm probably not watching it again, but I'm glad I watched it once. Um, it's it's oh the innocence of somebody who has only watched one and a half Spider-Man movies before this. Yeah, yeah. I I mean um, I. No, I'd like, I'd like, like to it. see like Civil I mean, War as well. You haven't, yeah, you haven't seen Civil War yet, which is, yeah. which seems kind of strange when you think about the movies decorating the landscape, decorating the sort of cinematic landscape. Yeah, because these are like big blockbusters. I suppose actually, this sort of demonstrates how out of touch I am. I'm like Tony Stark living up there in my ivory tower, and you're like some other character from this movie who I won't name for spoilers, who has to, you know, who lives in the real world, man. You don't care about those bozos who go and see blockbusters all the time. Um, Mickey Rourke from Iron, Iron Man. Man 2? No, 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 no. Your Guy Pierce from Iron Man 3. Okay. But we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I would I would agree with that assessment. I think it's an immensely likable movie. Um, I think it's a testament to... We've had a really good summer so far, and we're going to continue having a very good summer movie-wise. Like, I think that 2017 has been a great year for movies. I feel like the fact that we've been talking, talking almost constantly about new additions to the 250 list. Yeah, is, it uh, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Andrew's uh, worst year for movies ever. Well, no, like, like it's it's funny, though, because, because like, you... I, I would like to be there to be more of a balance, like, basically. I, I would like to have a little bit of space... <laughs> To, to talk to, about movies that are not just coming in right now. At exactly, this I think it's I I think it's good that we have this this facility to do these these movies Special that are episodes. just coming in. You know, be relevant, <laughs> hip and with the kids. Yeah, um, but I do like. Yeah, somebody pointed out that there's a beautiful irony in a podcast dedicated to the top 250 movies of all time. For most of the movies, be, essentially being a current affairs movie podcast with very rare retro episodes. Yeah, yeah. And most of the movies we do are after 2008 anyway. And they you know, they, they jump out of the list like <laughs> almost immediately. immediately. So it's yeah, This it's, is this is maybe the is this the second movie that we've that we've covered that as people are listening to it, it's no longer on the 250. This is the third movie we're covering that uh, as people are listening to is no longer on the 250. This is the second movie we're covering that as we're recording is no longer in the 250. Okay, was, was Rogue One out before no. people listened to it? No, Rogue One lasted quite a while. Oh, it was John, John Wick. Wick. John yeah, Wick Chapter yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. And to be sense. fair, that was because I was generally awful for arranging the schedule for recording that one. But uh, yeah, I I like this one. I think it's likable. I think it's I think it's affable. I think like... In a summer where this is a reasonably okay movie and it is no way the best movie that we have talked about or are going to talk about in this month of July, I think that it's... Uh, well, I haven't seen the movies that you've seen. Well, you, have you seen Baby Driver, though? I have seen Baby well, Driver. Would you argue Homecoming's better than Baby Driver? This will be an interesting discussion. No, I'd say Baby Driver was was um, was better. Yeah. But, like, they're very different movies, but I think it was a little bit better. Yeah. And, 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 and as well, like... While 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 Baby Driver was a very conventional heist movie uh, and had that kind of structure, it was all, it, it, it was more innovative it, in terms of safety yeah, and music. It had a lot of originality, and um, with with a movie like Spider Man Homecoming, it's coming from a shared universe, an established where, franchise. Exactly, it's the sixth movie starring this character to have appeared in the yeah. past fifteen years. So any, it's the third actor playing the role. It's part of a universe that has existed for nine years at this point. It's it's hard to argue that you could have something particularly original or innovative. Yeah. There. So any originality in a movie like this is a bonus, and and there's a kind of an onus on the makers to 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 ensure that they kind of 
put a stamp on it or make it interesting in 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 some way for people especially especially who's seen like what, all the other five ones. Of, yeah. uh, six including civil war so yeah i i would i would say baby driver would 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 would, would go edge this head, out. yeah yeah i i i i i i preferred this to um to to wonder woman um, right. I certainly preferred it to say Gardens of Galaxy 2 and to, to some of the other movies oh, yeah. as well yeah 100% I, I like that's the one we agree on uh, so we agree we do agree that it's not as good as Logan and it's better than um, it's better than Gardens of Galaxy 2 we're sort of then if we disagree on whether or not it's better than Wonder Woman I would agree it's, I would argue it's even somewhere sort of in that range but it's it's affable it's friendly it's charming it's friendly neighborhood Spider-Man movie, really, is what it would go for. All right, with that in mind, then we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like guys. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Spoiler zone. So, Darren, what was this movie about for you? Well, Andrew, funny you should ask that question. For me... It's a movie about those changes that a young man's body undergoes when he hits the ripe old age of about, say, 13, 14. Oh, yeah? I feel like the encapsulation of Slower. his journey is ultimately this culmination of journey from Spider-Boy, if you will, into Spider-Man. He's leaking fluids left, right and centre. He's leaving stains absolutely everywhere. He's starting to notice... That his aunt is blossoming into mature womanhood. I feel like Spider-Man Homecoming is the ultimate in exploring those years of a young boy's life. I also feel like this is why I normally ask the question to you. <laughs> no, I, I think wow, so. Darren, you're 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 really clever and and <laughs> and, and gross. And I have no, no no resemblance in reality. <laughs> no, I think. <laughs> I think Spider-Man Homecoming is essentially a Spider-Man movie. It's a movie about a kid who has spider powers who like swing between buildings and fighting supervillains who dress up with crazy animal themes. It involves lots of clever punchlines and some nice action sequences. A great uh, set of great performances, particularly from Michael Keaton. But let's, you know, let's sort of un unpack and unfurl those elements a little bit. Because, like, one of the things that's interesting about Spider-Man Homecoming is that... It's a homecoming in a literal and a metaphorical sense in that it's it's about the, the homecoming at the end for high school of high school, which we'll probably talk about when we talk about the high school movie bits. But in terms of as a Spider-Man movie, this is the first Spider-Man movie uh, that has been live action Spider-Man movie that's been produced by Marvel Studios because the rights have always been tied up with Sony. Right. They were purchased in the 90s when um, basically Marvel uh, overextended themselves and got into a bit of financial trouble. And basically, Marvel the, were only able to keep the crap superheroes <laughs> like Thor and, and Iron, Iron Man. Man, and that that's why the cornerstone of the Marvel universe is characters that nobody cares about, like Hulk, Captain America, Ant Man, yeah. um, and so on and so forth. Because basically, all the good superheroes were snatched up by people like James Cameron. James Cameron was developing a Spider-Man movie in the nineties, for example. There was talk of like Fox obviously bought the rights to the X-Men characters because those were all the characters that were selling in in the comics and were selling in like you remember the animated series in the nineties, like you had animated Spider-Man series and you had animated sort of X-Men. You didn't have nobody cared about animated Iron Man or animated sort of like maybe you had an animated Fantastic Four that ran thirteen episodes, but like the bulk of the focus in the nineties was on X-Men and Spider-Man. That's why they snatched them up. 
And, like, there was this big sort of gold rush at the turn of the century where, like, Sony also snatched up, I think they snatched up Ghost Rider. Like, that's how eager people were to have a studio franchise. That Sony were like, Ghost Rider, he sounds like a solid investment. Now, if only we could cast Nicolas Cage in the movie and make it twice, then you're on to something. Or Fox were like, oh, Daredevil, that sounds amazing. We should put Ben Affleck in a tight rubber costume. He always does well in those. Um, that sort of thing. Like, because they couldn't get Nick Cage? or Well, he was busy making Ghost Rider. Okay. Um, you've got to understand, this was like a mile a minute. This was a gold rush. So basically what happened was Sony uh, released the, the Sam Raimi movies. Uh, the first two were phenomenal. I would argue the second Spider-Man movie is one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think Homecoming is not as good as those first two Raimi movies, I don't think. Then they sort of screwed the pooch on the third one because they got greedy and they started like, they shoehorned in elements the director didn't want included. So obviously like Venom or stuff like that because kids love him. He's got a name like Venom and he's like Spider-Man, but his costume's black and he's going to be played by that kid from that show that they like. It's set in the 70s. Well, I can't think what it's called. Did, it's like that 70s show. Did they, at least, did they at least do the right thing and marry the pooch? And ra- ra- <laughs> raise the hybrid raise kid. Raise the hybrid uh, kid pooch. Uh... No, they, 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 they killed that baby, rebooted him, and brought back with Andrew Garfield. At which Cradled point they... this in their arms and Euthanized put a it. handgun. Straight through. to its head. And then shot themselves in the arm. <laughs> When, um, when it passed through the puppy. Oh, they they did. And and then they they brought back the Andrew Garfield movies and shot that adorable puppy in the face while shooting themselves in the foot as well. Poor Andrew Garfield. I do. I feel really bad for Andrew Garfield because he really cared about that. Like, he really seemed invested in it. But for some reason, they decided to do, like, Twilight Spider-Man movies. And those didn't work. And basically, third time around, they're like, okay, we need to do something with this character. But we have no idea how to make a good Spider-Man movie. So I said, you know who makes good spider good superhero movies? And you know who might know a little something about, you know, Spider-Man? Marvel. And so they worked out an agreement, an arrangement with Marvel, where Marvel would basically produce the film. They'd be in charge of all the creative decisions about the film, from the casting of Spider-Man to the hiring of the director, to the production, to the the, the visual effects That's design. That's kind of what people want as well. Well, the Marvel movies are very popular. I mean, they yeah. have their issues. I would much rather have a Raimi movie, um, one of the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Or even... Uh, I don't want to say that the Garfield movies because they were they were quite bad to be absolutely honest, but like I he hates Mondays uh, and and he likes lasagna. He does. They, so the basic idea was that Sony would retain ownership. I'm of, sorry of the character. I'm so sorry. Why are you so sorry? But Sony would retain ownership of the character, but Marvel would come in and produce for them, and that's why they arranged a deal whereby, in return, Marvel could use uh, Spider-Man in all of their movies, in all their Avengers movies, and in return. Well, guess what? Guess what Sony got to use? I wonder what part of this movie did Sony get to use from Marvel? He's only on the poster twice, all over the trailers. He's only credited with a special and... John Favreau? Yeah, that's it exactly. That was the hard one to get. They couldn't nail Favreau down. They had to credit him as third. Yeah. Um, was, was it Robert Downey Sr.? You're getting warmer. It was Gwyneth Paltrow. Was it Gwyneth... She got billed really highly on this. She gets this. billed fourth on she this. Was and she was there for like... She has five lines. Yeah. And she appears for about 40 seconds, 40 to 50 seconds on camera. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it is... Like, there's a sense that's how greedy... The, that's the... Gwyneth chuffing Paltrow. I mean... Well, that's how greedy the movie is for that connection to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. That it, like... It, not only did it get Robert Downey Jr., it also gets Kerry Condon provo- provides the voice of his suit in the movie, for example. Okay, um, who's she? 
Have you seen the TV show Luck? No. Okay, have you seen the TV show uh, Better Call Saul? Who has time? For TV, <laughs> when we're recording a movie podcast. Have you yeah. seen the movie Intermission? Yes. Okay, remember the start of Intermission where Colin Farrell robs the cafe? Oh, yeah. She's the woman working at the till. Okay. I, f- I feel like that was worth it to get just to that moment. But she says she's an actor anyway, and she, she voices the, the... She provides the voice inside Tony's suit. Like, they went to the care, the care of recasting her to get that right. Favreau plays a massive role in this. Favreau, who directed the first two Iron Man movies and plays Happy Hogan in them. They got Gwyneth Paltrow back. Paltrow refused to come back for, like, Civil War, for example. Happy Hogan is... Not happy at all. He's, he's what people on the alt-right call a cook. <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, I suspect this is a podcast we're going to talk quite a bit about the alt-right. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> Like Andrew doesn't see this coming at all. Oh goodness! Um, uh, but uh, yeah, what a treat! Yeah, I know people love it when he's, we talk politics on this. Yeah, he's um, he's a kind of um, well, he's put upon. Yeah, he's very put upon, and you're kind of like, why is he, he? He takes all the crap from Tony. Yeah, yeah. One of the things about Tony Stark is that he seems to be like a one-man supervillain manufacturing machine. Like as far as like Marvel supervillains go, like because. You know, obviously Captain America fights Nazis. And, you know, so he, like, Thor fights his brother or whatever. But, like, Tony Stark, the Iron Man movies always have a situation where Tony Stark or his father is really mean to somebody. And that person becomes a supervillain. So, like, obviously his father ripped off Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3 opens with Guy Pearce left alone on the roof at New Year's feeling really sad and then reinventing himself as a supervillain. Yeah. And obviously in this movie, like the, the vulture Adrian Toomes is basically shoved out of business by Tony Stark uh, because Tony Stark wants to profit from this sort of cleaning up the mess. Like you get the sense that Happy Hogan is basically one bad day away from just putting on a suit of armour and deciding to massacre or try to avenge himself upon Tony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can imagine people being like, you know who I really don't like? That Tony Stark guy. Yeah. Like, even if they hadn't been wronged by him, they would be like, somebody <laughs> needs to take him down a peg or two. Several pegs. Yeah. Well, I mean, because even, yeah, Happy is like, because at the point where Happy's like, he wants to, Tony's like, oh, he wants to move from security manager to asset manager. And, and you know, Happy's like, that it took a lot of courage for me to talk to you about that. Mm. Or even like, hey, uh, you shouldn't stress him out. I've seen his cardiogram. By the way, carry that heavy suitcase up seven flights of stairs, would you? Yeah, there's there's a sense of Tony's wonderful indifference. I would go so far as to argue Tony is the villain of Spider-Man Homecoming. He, yeah, Tony's a dick. Tony is a terrible human being. Absolutely. Because that... like, 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 the, and there's the kind of like, oh, but we need somebody <laughs> like this. It's well, that, this is the superhero that Team fantasy. America thing. Yeah, he's he's our dick. Um, but there is that sort of yeah, there is that weird sort of element of like even going back to say Civil War, right? Because Civil War, Andrew hasn't seen Civil War, so the basic plot of Civil War is there's a disagreement between. It's, 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 is Denzel Washington and and Matthew Broderick in it? Yes, Andrew. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, I've I've heard you're, that you're there's of, inaccuracies. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, Captain America: Glory, is what you're thinking of. Okay. Civil War um, is where Iron Man and and Captain America fight, and basically Captain America's like, "Grr, freedom! We shouldn't regulate superheroes." And Tony Stark's like, "But wait, we should properly regulate and train superheroes." Nice, That's why I've drafted now in. Now I don't have to see the movie. Do they live in apartments? And are those apartments nice? But yeah, Tony, Tony's position in this civil war is basically, look, 
We need to be this, more accountable. This is the way Darren handles dissent. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's position in this civil war is basically, look, superheroes need to be more responsible and accountable. So I found this 14-year-old from Queens. And I'm going to just throw him right into the middle of this gigantic fray. And you're kind of like, yeah, that maybe undercuts your message a little bit, I feel. But I, I do feel like one of the aspects of, of, of Homecoming I like is that there's a sense the writers working on Homecoming are kind of like, yeah, Tony's not not a good person. We kind of have to use the character because we paid Robert Downey Jr. lots of money. But is there any way we can use him while suggesting that maybe plus he's not a good plus person? Plus Marvel has said to them, could you keep Robert Downey Jr. out of trouble? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe put him in your movie. While we're waiting to make the yeah, next Avengers. Yeah, we don't want him to get bored. Because <laughs> you know what happens then. I know those days are long behind him. Yeah. He's now a pillar, a respected pillar of the community. So obviously let, let's talk a little bit about this. Because one of the things I really liked about Homecoming was Michael Keaton. As the yes. He's really good. Sort of cornering the market on avian-themed <laughs> super characters. So cornering the market on, like, something he's done really well for a really long time is crazy. Yeah. You want to go nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. But I also, I feel like that's that's the kind of the broad side of this. I don't, I don't feel like that was what they were thinking when they I'm, cast him. It's I'm, like, well, I mean, he was great in multiplicity. I think he'll work very well here. Because he shows multiple sides of his personality. What about Extreme Methods, where he was in a hospital? Yeah, there's a scene here where maybe he puts a guy in a morgue. I feel like he's got that down. I don't feel like those were the <laughs> movies that they hired him based upon. Have you seen that Saturday Night Live? What's it called? You're a, you're a rat bastard, Charlie Brown. Where where it's like a, a, a remake of, 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 of Peanuts. Um, the Charlie Brown, Brown Christmas special. And they've got Michael Keaton playing <laughs> one of the characters. I have not. Well, we'll include that in the show notes if we can find it. Gosh, have you seen this thing? Yeah, well, uh, well, it's funny. Yeah, and it's available in our in our show notes as you listen to this podcast. Uh, but wait until you listen, finish listening to the podcast first. But no, people I, I, are like, God damn it, Andrew, it better be funny. After all that hype you've given, it's it. mildly funny. Yeah, it's it's amusing. It's more diverting really than anything else. Yeah. But I, I like. What else are you gonna do? <laughs> what have you done for us lately? But I do like that uh, Keaton's fantastic. If you're listening to this, you have time to watch this YouTube video. And you will probably find it much more amusing. I Actually, I really like Keaton in this. I think Keaton's fantastic. Um, obviously, it's building on his role. Obviously, his Oscar winning, his Oscar nominated role for Birdman. But also, obviously, his role as Batman. Hmm. Um, but there's this idea he plays the, he plays the Vulture, basically. Adrian Toomes. Who is one of the first supervillains who appeared in the classic Spider-Man comic series. Uh, Spider-Man number two. As a bald old man with a bit of a stomach um who had a suit and, and picked spider-man up and occasionally dropped him a little bit that was right. really his gimmick so i feel like the fact that they translated that into a character who is genuinely menacing has a legitimate perspective and actually has a character arc is remarkable because i think one of the big issues with the marvel movies in general is the villains are kind of terrible how 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 genuinely menacing was he because i i think he he was an interesting kind of villain yeah in as, he, as as in like he he had he had a lot of a lot of layers and there's a sense in which you could he's right there's a sense you could argue in which he's right like because he's he's introduced the very start of the movie yeah uh, and he's introduced and it's it's one of those things that's that's another one of those great 
look, we're part of the Marvel Universe now because the third shot of the movie is the Avengers Tower from the movie Avengers. And they're cleaning up after the invasion that happened at the climax of the movie Avengers. And he's holding a picture depicting the events of the movie Avengers. Just in case you weren't sure that this movie takes place in the same world as the movie Avengers. But he's basically, he's a working stiff. He's a guy who manages a... <laughs> he lives in a mansion. Yeah, he lives in a mansion. We're going to we're gonna circle back around <laughs> to that point, Andrew. Thank you for that. But yeah. uh, he manages what, what seems to be like a, a damage hey, control or a I'm waste... I'm working class over here. Or a waste management company that's doing the disposal of all this alien technology. <laughs> when all of a sudden, like, all these guys in suits show up from the government uh, announcing that his contract has been voided and that uh, Tony Stark, who is responsible for making this mess in the first place, will be responsible for cleaning up all the alien technology and presumably retro-engineering it, designing it, and profiting off it. Uh, now... Tombs has invested heavily. He loses a huge amount of money as a result of this deal. And so he decides to sort of go rogue to provide for both his family and for the men around him. And one of the nice things that I like about the movie is the sense that he's not uh, like he's not a sociopathic villain for the sake of being a sociopathic villain. Yeah. He's not like there's a great there's a it's, it's there, there's there's a weird moment where one of his henchmen who is an irresponsible reprehensible person the first uh, shocker. Yeah, there yeah. are two shockers there in this movie. There are two shockers in it. Shocker one makes makes a big um, like spoils everything because yes. it's been going well for eight years and um, tests these hugely powerful weapons that Tooms yeah. have been selling in the open, which draws the attention of Spider Man. And he makes off, and the vulture picks up this gun on the worktop. He asks, he asks yeah. his techie, "Does this work?" And the guy's like, "I don't know, does it?" So he picks up the gun, points it at the shocker, shoots it. Which turns the shocker to ash as everyone stares sort of shaken at this scene. He puts the thing down. He turns to his tech guy and he asks. Yeah, he's like, I, I, I thought that was the anti-gravity <laughs> gun. gun. Yeah, he didn't even mean to kill this yeah. guy. And it's a great scene because it's such That's a... That's probably like one of the worst things he does in, 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 in the movie. The... Well, he does repeatedly try to kill a teenager. I mean... I like how Andrew's like, I feel like, I feel like Spider-Man kind of deserved it, to be honest. Couldn't he keep his business, his nose out of his business? Because he had that whole thing where he's like, my family is the most important thing to me. And you saved my daughter. And there's, there's also, you, 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 you know, well, you know the scene on the um, Staten Island Ferry? Yeah. He doesn't cut that boat in half. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he like he, he the the big crisis sequence where Spider Man has to hold the ferry together is not a result of anything Toombs does. It's a result of like Toombs is trying to kill Spider Man. Spider Man pulls the gun out of his hand and webs it to the floor where it explodes and tears the uh, this thing apart. Like there's a sense that Toombs, well, Toombs, in is, fairness, Toombs wants to make a way. Yeah, he, he he wants to. He just wants to get out of this situation, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, and 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 Spider Man is is. Like trying um, to hold him accountable. Stopping him from doing that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like Andrew's sort of on Toombs' side here. It's like, look, if only if it wasn't for that meddling kid. Well, Toombs, Toombs could have could have killed Spider-Man then. While Spider-Man was trying to keep the um, the, the boat together. Well, he but, was gone but, at that point. Toombs was gone at that point, to be fair. No, but his, his purposes have been met. Because, yeah. okay, Spider-Man can't stop me from leaving now. Because he's preoccupied trying to keep the boat together. Yeah. So it's not like he's trying to kill Spider-Man. For the sake of killing yeah. Spider-Man. And I do, I like, like, this is one of the things. There's an argument to be made that Toombs is a representation of a certain attitude in America. Perhaps a Trump voter, one might say. Because he uses a lot of, a lot of the terminology is, um, is, is very similar to that employed by Trump. So he refers to, like, the Avengers as those bozos. 
which I think is a word that Trump has used to refer to his opponents. Um, he uses like they talk about how the system is rigged um, well, in favor also of the establishment. F- f- fun. It's a very way. generic. So it's very yeah. Is it a term anybody? It's a fun used, thing to say. Is it a term anybody has used seriously since like the nineteen forties? It's, it's an I I I I I almost said it the other day. Oh, okay. Uh, I I just thought it. Um, <laughs> you caught yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 a fun thing to say. And he quite enjoys saying it. Yeah, and it sounds great. But they do talk about those how... Those bozos. Those bozos. Those bozos up there in their tower. But he speaks with this sort of class resentment where he... Like, when he when Peter comes to him and when he's stalling for time as he's, go, as he's plotting to actually kill Peter by dropping a building on top of him, he speaks about how, you know, you and me were basically the same because we have to fight for scraps from the tables of these... He doesn't say elites, but that's basically what he's saying. People like Stark. People who are rich and connected and powerful and who Does make the rules... Does he even try to kill him then? He drops a building on him. He's like, because Peter says, look, I'm not, you're not convincing me. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not convincing you. I was really just stalling. And then he, he did. And then it's like, but your wings didn't try and hit me. He's like, well, they weren't, they weren't trying to hit you. Exactly. So he could have hit him like eight times. But he chose to drop a building on top of him instead. I feel like that's. In in the world of a Marvel movie, that isn't something (laughs) that kills. That's a mild impediment. Yeah. That's really just a stalling for time. Yeah. It's like, what? What's in in you you have to be over some over somebody's body while while they're holding their head in your hand is pretty much the only way you can kill a Marvel character. Yeah. Um or evaporating them to dust, as we discovered with Shocker One. There there's um Aaron Taylor Johnson who 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 dies in that Age of Ultron. Movie. He does. He gets yeah. he gets impaled through uh, because Fox also owned the right to Quicksilver and Marvel were damned if they were going to do some cross-promotion for them, damn it. <laughs> um, apparently that was one of Joss Whedon's red lines for the movie, was that he wanted to kill uh, Quicksilver. Um, and he basically, yeah, he had to fight very hard to get that. But like, I, I do like Tombs in this movie. I think Tombs is very, very well used. And I think that, you know what you're saying about him being menacing? Like yeah. the scene where he takes Peter to prom, because the, the spoiler in this movie, and the spoiler that I think the person was alluding to when they critiqued my decision to say that Tombs lived in a nice house. Because Toombs lives in a nice house. Like, Toombs is very well off. For all his Springsteen-y, working-class hero Oh, vibe, that's who you said lived in a nice uh, house. Yeah. Well, that is bloody spoiler. How is that spoilery? There are lots of nice houses in this film. This is the nicest house in this film. I didn't say he lives in the nicest house in this film. I said he lives in a nice house. So anyway, it turns out that Toombs... Your, is... your critics are right, Darren. They are. I feel like Andrew's coming down hard on this podcast. Yeah, spoiler alert, Darren lives in a nice house. Yes, I do. I am also an arms dealer in my spare time. Yeah. But I feel like one of the things about uh, Toombs is that it's a thing that you, you hear when you talk about Trump voters because there's a perception that Trump voters were all working class white people. When in fact they were all white people, but they tended to come from the. They weren't all white people. Well, no, the majority of them were. Right. Um, apologies, that was a cross generalization. I apologize for that. The majority of them were white people, but they also and and the majority of white people voted for Trump, um, according to the statistics. Yeah. But uh, the average income for a Trump voter was actually like above the national average. They were generally better off. Um, which is one of the more interesting disconnects that you have between the perception of who voted for Trump and the narrative of who voted for Trump and the reality of the people who voted for Trump. Because the people who voted for Trump tend to be small business owners who, say, like like Tombs, would have been able to afford to live in nice houses and yeah. who would have felt like disadvantaged by Obamacare because of having to provide for their employees and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, they would see 
how care is it cost? What are we talking about? Yeah, but basically, <laughs> no, it's just one uh, of the one of the nuances of tombs because we're talking because we want to talk about this thing that we said where like the movie pitches itself as a very working class superhero story in terms of like where Peter lives because Peter lives in Queens rather than Manhattan and the fact that Tombs sort of pitches himself as um, this hero of the underclass who's sort of rebelling against Tony Stark. Mm. Who, by the way, and Tony Stark really comes out of this looking awful. The sequence on the ferry where where Peter accidentally like nearly kills a ferry full of people. Well, does would he though? Like, would the, never. It's, it's it's the ferry to Staten Island. <laughs> the, he, he almost those kills people are literally going to be dozens, fine. No. Literally dozens. Well, the 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 only thing that nearly kills people is the laser that cuts through <laughs> the ship. That should have killed tons of people. Yeah, like well, like at least a few. Well, the only reason um, that, that doesn't that the only reason that, that happened is because Tony never mentioned to Peter that he had he was following up on this vulture thing. Yeah, like all that that would have taken was just like, yep, I noticed that you did this vulture thing. You did a good job. By the way, I've got the FBI organizing a sting. Like all Tony had to say was that, and that would have completely nullified the problem. Had the vulture arrested them, caught Gargan the the scorpion or whatever nicely solved it for everybody and not led to the horrible climax the the boat sinking those people are going to live yes so no yeah. harm no foul is what andrew's arguing here yeah it, it was a weird kind of a in in a movie where there's generally sort of low stakes yeah. it's it's the disaster is like it's not a train that's going to go into a building and yeah, kill like and hundreds kill of people. everyone on board. It's not a there's, city being devoured. There's which also is... there's also a um at one point there's 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 a pilotless um, airplane airplane yeah, that crashes onto a beach. Now to be fair, it does knock down a giant glowing fairground icon, yeah. which you have to assume landed on something. Yeah, because it doesn't go into the sea. It doesn't fall into they, the sea. They they resisted the temptation to to have it. Oh no, the plane is going to nine eleven into that building. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. But I, I do, I like the low stakes nature of the film. And I like the fact that there's no real catches. I like the fact that Peter goes out of his way repeatedly not to kill people, which is quite, which is rare in a superhero movie. Uh, it's like one of those video game things. There's a point where he throws one of the goons off the ferry and then sort of remembers, oh yeah, people who aren't like me tend to die when I throw them off things. So he sort of webs him and pulls him back in, which looks like something from a video game. Yeah, but it make, makes sense for no, like, nice Spider-Man as, as a, a character. As opposed to like Logan. <laughs> yeah, or, or Iron Man um, or, or any of those other characters. Well, Captain Iron America. Man, yeah, the thing about Iron Man is he made all his money from killing people yeah. in, 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 in... From building weapons and like yeah. a, a company built around building weapons. Oh, absolutely. And like kind and, of su- supporting the military industrial complex and, in... in in dubious um, fashions uh, yeah and, and like all of his villains have legitimate grievances against him like all of his villains are not motivated by wanting to destroy the world his villains are like motivated by the fact that he personally screwed them over yeah and you could you could you could hate you could hate tony stark for what he's done to the world yeah and and nothing to do with you yeah that's one of the things i actually like about the movie is you get the sense that it's the rare marvel movie that makes like because one of my issues with Civil War was it it went out of its way to avoid, like, blaming Tony Stark for anything. And Age of Ultron is another example as well. Because Age of Ultron is a movie where Tony builds an artificial intelligence that winds up almost wiping out mankind. Mm. And the end of the movie is kind of like, well, well, thank goodness nothing happened there. Um, but I feel like like Homecoming is maybe the first Marvel movie that's like, yeah, 
Tony, maybe not overly responsible and maybe not the person you should be putting in charge of like this 14-year-old kid's life, let alone, you know, well, the fate of the world. No, I think all of the movies with with Tony Stark or Iron Man in that uh, in 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 them hints at 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 Tony Stark <laughs> being a irresponsible. Yeah, a very irresponsible who who's and the pro- as you say the the problems in the movies always seem to arise as a result of things yeah, that he yeah. does personally. And him, like, in, in the first movie, witnessing the... The, the, the destruction that, that he causes. Yeah, and that these Mujahideen, um, are using the his Taliban weapons. are using his weapons. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, yeah. But I do think that this is, like, I think Homecoming deserves a lot of credit for, like, tackling that sort of head-on. And I think it's something you can do when he's not the protagonist of the film. Because I feel like all the other Iron Man movies have to end in a way that is like, well, thank goodness Tony learned his lesson, kind of, sort of, maybe... <laughs> but he's going to do exactly the same thing at the next movie. Hmm. I do think that Iron Man maybe dominates this movie a little bit too much. To the point where I feel like the Vulture is as much an Iron Man villain as a Spider-Man villain. He feels very much of a of a character with, say, the Mickey Rourke character in Iron Man 2. Or the, uh, yeah. the, the and, Killian character in Iron Man 3. And Because he's a guy who puts on a suit of armor that allows him to fly. And I don't, I don't actually think that he's setting out to kill spider-man i think that spider-man is impeding him from from <laughs> screwing over tony stark basically no i i think he's trying to make a living because yeah. like he 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 wants to just do this quietly like it and not in spite of anyone no just to survive on his own and well not, not just to survive either <laughs> to own a really nice house <laughs> a really nice house <laughs> yeah um this is one of the things I like about the, the movie, because um, we'll probably talk a little bit about the conventional Spider-Man stuff, what it has and what it doesn't have. But like, sexy Spider- teens, sexy teens. But Spider-Man's big thing is responsibility. Like, Spy- obviously, it's it's with great response, with great power comes great responsibility is the quote, which didn't actually exist in the original Spider-Man comics. It's sort of been like uh, boulderized. It's like being me of Scotty. Nobody actually said that in the Stan Lee and Steve where's, Ditko comics. Where's Uncle uh, ben. ben? Yeah, we'll talk about the, that stuff in a moment. But just in terms of the responsibility theme. What I like about what makes the Vulture a villain in terms of, like, Spider-Man villainry, villainy yeah. is because he refuses to take responsibility for his actions. Because he's willing to sell these guns that will kill people and cause countless destruction and will, like, tear up these neighborhoods. And he's willing to do that to make a profit and feed his family, which is grand from his own personal perspective because, you know, he believes that his own self-interest trumps all. Yeah, he, like, when, when he's confronted with that, he's like, you work for Tony Stark. <laughs> And he's right. Okay, but I think he's like, uh, like, how are you? Uh, how do you have any moral authority? Me? Yeah. And I okay. Well, to be fair, the movie ends with with Peter turning down the offer to work for yeah. Tony Stark. But I feel like what marks Tombs as a villain because he's very well developed, he's very well round, well round, and he's very clear motivations. Is the sense that he takes no responsibility for his actions. Like when the ferry blows up or when the ferry's torn apart, he just flies away and leaves it. For yeah, he says, "Look what you've done." <laughs> <laughs> I hope you learned a lesson from this, Peter. For yeah. example, like, and like he, you, you should be careful with that. And his big, his big speech to Tony at uh, sorry, not you're to Tony, messing but... with things you don't, you don't understand. <laughs> like me, um, and, it, and he's right. It's like you know what, I, 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 you, you, you shouldn't have done that. I'm now gonna go gonna... now. I'm disappointed. Yeah, now you. people are gonna die, and you're gonna feel guilty, and maybe you won't do it again. 
Yeah. But anyway, what I like is even the speech he gives in the car, which, by the way, is a great moment from Keaton. Like, it's probably Keaton's best moment as a villain is the bit. In, uh, like, the sequence in the car is amazing because it's, yeah. it's like it's the, the one moment where an adult is paying attention to what's actually happening in the film. Because this is a teen movie it's through so and through. Good. All it's the like... adult characters are so oblivious to what's happening. Like, there's the coach played by Hannibal Barres, for example, who's oh. really great. Yeah. And um, there's Martin Starr as well as the, as the, the teacher who takes yeah. them on, on the, the decathlon field trip. It's like I couldn't stand to have lost another student, for example. Uh, but it, it's little moments like that, or even the principal or the, the teachers who fail to cop on to what's happening. Like, which is it's a nice, it's an element of a teen movie, but it's an element that works really well with Spider-Man because obviously you have to be completely oblivious to not get the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Yeah. And what I like about the moment with Tombs in the car is that it's basically, well, what if somebody actually paid attention to all the coincidences that happened around Peter Parker? So there's a moment where he's taking Liz in the car and Liz is saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, oh, but you you dropped out. You got that internship with Tony Stark and his ears sort of perk up. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, uh, and he's on the decathlon team, but uh, he wasn't there when the accident happened. But thank goodness Spider-Man was and the ears perk up again. It's like, oh, your, your friend Spider-Man, you say, eh? But uh, I think Toomes gen- genuinely likes Peter Parker. I think he does. But and I, what I like about that scene, well, first of all, it's very well directed and Keaton's fantastic. Like I love the moment. It's like that, Willem Dafoe uh, in the in, original Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but one of the things is I love the sequence where he realizes that the light goes green. It's one of those great. It's like a really great piece of direction because the, the traffic oh, light yeah. goes green, and that's like literally the moment that the switch triggers in his head. By the way, my favorite part of that Sam uh, Sam Raimi, the the only other Spider Man movie I've seen, aside from there was one a long time ago, wasn't there? Like in the eighties or something. There was a Japanese one, and there was a live action TV show, which was not great. I have some recollect odd recollection of having seen. What I thought was a Spider-Man movie. Oh, but and anyway, in the Sam Raimi one, and probably my favorite part of that movie was when when Willem Dafoe, but uh, in the scene where he becomes the Green uh, Goblin, the, the Green Goblin, he 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 lies down on on this like table and he's like, oh, it's cold. <laughs> I like that. That was the one moment of humanizing the character, really. Yeah, it was amazing because it's hilarious. Yeah, like kind of ooh, it's cold. I feel like Defoe and it was is... just before at, at, at this moment, just before he becomes this like monster, a super villain. Yeah. Uh, but like one of the things is that like Tombs basically in that scene after he make after he discovers Peter is Spider Man he basically makes an offer and his offer is basically you go home you forget this ever happened and you can not only will you get to keep your life you'll get to continue dating my daughter. And, you know, you'll probably get to still be part of my life. All I'm asking is that you just not interfere with what I'm doing. So it's like this sense of, like, he wants Peter to abdicate moral responsibility. That's all that he wants. And I feel like that's why he's a really good Spider-Man villain in this movie. I feel like that's why he works. How is Shocker 2 already... um... Proficient with the glove. No, how is he already... um, Uh, Waiting out back. Waiting out back. Yeah, given that he only figured it out... uh, Given that, yeah, Toomes only figured this out on the way to the school. Yeah. It does seem a little bit weird, doesn't it? It does seem a little bit of a contrivance. Yeah, but maybe Shocker 2 was there to <laughs> to be like, if, uh, if if he's showing... If her, he gets too out of hand. If he's not showing her a good time, or, or if he's showing her too much of a good time. Your job which is, is a weird step- thing to say. I thought that was a great line. Show her a good time, <laughs> but not too great a time. Uh, yeah, Shocker's there. Because as a teenage boy, it's her who'll be in... in uh, yeah. I don't I, think he meant it literally. I think he was talking <laughs> metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. 
I do like the it's idea like, that Shocker is like, like Shocker what, is what like he meant this. Was, don't you have too much of a good time? <laughs> yeah, but I do like the idea that Shocker is basically this high tech chaperone. Mm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's outside. It's like yeah, uh, your job like, is to guard the school buses. See that she's not any... smoking. Yeah, if anything like, gets sneaking a nagging in, <laughs> yeah, or that like he doesn't uh, touch go, her, uh, touch her below the waist on whatever the dance floor. Faces mean. Yeah, but yeah, I, I do. But I, I love that scene. I think Keaton's fantastic. Now, let's let's talk about these days. Movies are held to a kind of a standard, and probably in 10 years from now we'll look back at and at things in movies that we never would have thought of as problematic yeah. and realize that oh that's that's like Horrible. a 2017 movie how uh passe i i it's interesting in movies now where there's an awareness of of yes. say being a creep yes I like where where, where 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 the guys are staring and they're like we should look oh away we should look thing. away before we seem like creeps and or then, the bit where he's naming his suit and he's like well well can i call you liz and he's like no wait that's a bit weird and then there's even the bit where he's like um there is a bit where he says i'm not a creep um but even even like little stuff like um the discussion of, say, the monument being built by slavery or the idea that pa- yes. protesting is patriotism. Like, there's a real sort of cognizance in this movie, which I quite like, because it's, it's a homage to, like, teen movies by John Hughes. I, yeah. And, and it, but it's one that's that's cognizant of the fact that, like, those movies were very, very white and very, very middle class and very sort yeah. of, like, male in their outlook, for example. The, like, I, I wonder how it must feel for... for, for... For people who hate that stuff, oh yeah, <laughs> to go out and watch movies because they're like really excited about seeing the Spider-Man movie, and then they're like, oh, all this kind of snowflakes and libtards sort of stuff happening. Because this yeah. is one of the the contentions about it, is the the diversity in the film. Because this is a really really diverse film in many ways, shape and form. The point where Peter is really the only prominent white high schooler. You could argue that Betty Brant, for example, is is another prominent white high schooler. But like among the core group, like so, for example, um, Liz Allen is is uh, African American or, or half African American um, and half Michael Keaton. You could argue that, for example, uh, Ned, whatever Michael Keaton is. Yeah, it's hard to tell these days. Uh, but that that kind of tight sort of burnt looking skin <laughs> yeah um, but uh, also like um, obviously um michelle is 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 uh, zendaya who is who is african-american and ned is, is yeah, asian-american she, like, she is she is a one word name yeah like prince like prince or, or Madonna. yeah or share like i feel like why are, this is is this does this because she's younger than you like you grew up accepting or Cher, storm storm <laughs> but you grew up accepting Cher and madonna because they existed before you were born but you're like now what business does anybody have having a one one word name well yeah be, because when when i accepted Cher and madonna and prince for example and prince and and sting um i i i was a baby and i just kind of <laughs> accepted things because I was like, like I didn't know They'd that they were weird. They'd always been that way, yeah. Yeah. It's but like now when you're confronted with Zendaya. Children are very accepting. Yeah. It's only when you grow up that you become a sort of yeah, a prejudiced it, sort of. It does feel weird that there are people who are younger than me. <laughs> me. Who, 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 who are known by, by one name. Because I realized, so, so that was an option for <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what would your one, per, one name be? Just out of curiosity here, Andrew. Because I feel like there's a bitterness seeping through here. I feel like Andrew's not really angry at Sandaya for having one name. He's jealous. I don't know. I, I mean, we can leave that to our Twitter followers. If you were um, to suggest a one-word artist name. Jethro. It's not a bad Jethro's one. a pretty good one, I have to say. 
But yeah, I mean, it's a staggeringly diverse sort of uh, cast. Which Donald is... Glover's in this, which yeah. is crazy because because he he there was all of the talk about him being cast as Spider Man. Yes, we're going. That's, we're, that's, we'll talk. I guess that's why he's in it. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this ties back into the sort of diversity thing. Like the the issue, and this is something that that kind of irks me a little bit about about Spider Man Homecoming. Is not not the diversity. It's the fact that diversity is very good, and I'd like to see more movies like that. But it feels like. I don't want to say half measure because that feels very condescending given the the attention paid because this looks like a real high school in New York. It, it's it's multicultural. It's, it's like got, the best high school ever. It really is. Like, yeah, because they've got a chess club, they've got a workshop, they've got, got a, the Catalan like, team. The chess club has its own room. Yeah, and it seems like that's what the room is for. It's not like they use the woodwork yeah. room off hours. It's like no, this is specifically what it is. The teachers are very understanding when like you know Peter doesn't go to class. They're like, you're yeah. a good kid. You seem you know. Don't don't let it happen again. You've got twenty seven year old seniors. Yeah, it's it's just seems perfect. It's uh, like Liz obviously took an additional eight years to get through school, and and nobody seems that bothered by it. Yeah, but I mean it it is. You've it's got Hannibal Buress uh, as your coach, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bit of PE. Doing a bit of PE and and videos from Captain America. I love those PSAs. I thought those PSAs were quite hilarious, <laughs> particularly the post credit scene. I thought the post credit scene is probably one of the better Marvel post credit scenes. Yeah, because it's basically just a spoof of post credit scenes. Hmm. Apparently, they got Chris Evans for a day, and they filmed dozens of these that will be showing up on the DVD. <laughs> so you'll actually have like a special feature of like they shot him rolling for a good twelve hours. Um, I wonder if that was him doing that. How many more? I wonder if that was actually out of character, so to speak. But like one of the things about the diversity is—is is, is he the best, Chris? I mean, no. Well, we had this discussion. Is it? Is it, is it uh, we Myself did, and we Marianne did. Cassidy have very different opinions. She thinks Hemsworth. I believe I go with Pine. I, where would you I, go? I, I agree that Pine is last. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I You're I'm, not pining for Pine, no. You did this before, Darren. <laughs> Stop recycling material. It's it's as if Darren is Darren. <laughs> so, what would your favorite Chris be if you were to pick one of the Chris's? He's, he's Would you go for the one who's a bit of a prat? He's Would you go uh He's he's ah oh, stop. Did <laughs> Do you feel like you're getting your Hemsworth? Don't 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 I won't Evans go there. Don't Darren to do that. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> oh, how do you? What is your favorite Chris then? Let's, let's let's get real, Andrew. Let's let's sit down and get real on this. If you had to pick one of the four Chris's, I like I, Chris is on Infinite Earth. Yeah, I I I probably I probably put Hemsworth second and Ev and Evans uh, first. Evans first, interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, but anyway. One of the things that I... I mean, it's it's a tough one between Hemsworth and, and, and Evans, I guess. Uh, but somehow not between it Pratt and Pine. It does seem like fun, but I feel like I'm mo I know more about Evans. Well, Evans is also and, very Hem conscious. Hemsworth seems a bit more guarded. Yeah, and, and Evans, to be fair, is very vocal about the cause that he supports. For, and stuff. He's for, very, like... for t t two um, reportedly heterosexual men, we, 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 we never really crush on women much we, we're always talking about um, about men that we like yeah um, <laughs> you i feel like the movie doesn't make the point enough that marissa tomei is hot i feel like the movie doesn't hammer that home often enough particularly in the first half hour that marissa tomei is both aunt may and attractive i thought that was fine i thought that was a bit much yeah well i feel like because because she's 
Like, Marissa Tomei is a very attractive woman, but she's conventionally attractive for a 50-year-old woman in a Hollywood film. Like, do you think, like, Marissa Tomei is very attractive, but every woman over the age of 50 in a major Hollywood film is generally that attractive, I would argue. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't, like, um, le- leaving the movie thinking of... No, uh, no that, like, I thought it was fine. I, I didn't really think it was so... I, I, I thought if, if it was any more... It would be a, it would be <laughs> it a bit weird. It just the line. It just yeah, hit that at yeah. the right point. Anyway, so back back to the diversity thing because I feel like it, I don't want to say it's a half measure, three quarter measure. Because one of the things about the maybe fi- maybe Marissa Tomei is like, could they talk a lot in this movie about, about how, how hot I am? I, am? Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should ask that question. We should get we should we should tweet at Marissa Tomei. And Robert and ask- Downey Jr. was like. I'm going to improvise a bit. I'm going to talk about how hot I think Marissa Tomei is. Uh, can you make sure that all the other characters follow that so it doesn't seem like I'm being excessively creepy? Yeah. Um, but I do like the, like, one of the things about the diversity in the film is that the diversity reflects, obviously, how diverse New York is in some ways, shape, or form. And that it's, it's nice to have that sort of diversity in a cast. One of the things that's kind of irritating about the, the use of diversity in this film is not the diversity itself. It's the way that the film is structured to avoid offending people too rigorously. So, for example, at the very end of the movie, there's the reveal that Zendaya, who's playing Michelle, is actually called MJ by her friends. I thought and that was lame J. No, no. What? Well, hold on. Well, here's the thing. First of all, it's it's a copy of that reveal at the end of, was it, The Dark Knight Rises, where it's yeah. like, oh, you should keep your middle name. Robin is a very nice name. That sort of thing. But it's it's also, as soon as that happened, there were certain corners of the internet that exploded with, oh my God, MJ can't be black. What the hell's going on? And Marvel's response to that should have been, screw you guys. Um, it's MJ and she's black. But the, the response that actually came from Marvel was, no, it's not actually MJ. It's an original character called Michelle who just happens to have the initials MJ. And you can sort of see that with the rest of the characters as well. Like the rest of the characters are based on comic book characters. Like say Flash is based on Flash Thompson. Ned is based on Ned Leeds. Liz is based on Liz Allen. But their their surnames are not provided. Um, so there's an, like it's structured in a way that Marvel can avoid offending certain fans who would be worried about such things by saying, "Oh no, they're not the real and in inverted commas version of the characters." And this is what really ticks me off because a lot of the diversity in that supporting cast, including Donald Glover, which we'll talk about in a moment, comes from an iteration of Spider-Man that is black, half black, half Latino, the Miles Morales version, who was. You talked about Donald Glover and the controversy that happened with Donald Glover. It was suggested that Donald Glover could play Spider-Man and it was shot down. And one of the big issues with that was it it inspired the writer Brian Michael Bendis, who's a major comic book writer, uh, to create a character, a version of Spider-Man called Miles Morales, who was a 13-year-old half-black, half-Latino character. And his supporting cast was much more diverse. And, and Bendis did this for, for obviously because he was inspired by the Donald Glover thing. Because he has several adopted children of colour himself. And he was like, well, they don't get to see themselves represented as heroes very much. So he thought it would be a good idea to have like an iconic character like Spider-Man who could be black under the mask, under the costume and stuff. And I feel like one of the issues with one of my issues with Homecoming is that while the diversity in the film is great and while it's used very well, I feel like and while it's quite conscious of that. I feel like the decision I, to do I, a third I, Peter Parker in 13 years rather than doing like a black Spider-Man rather than going with like a, a more interesting take on the character because you talked about Uncle Ben. Where is Uncle Ben in this movie, right? 
or where is with great power comes great responsibility in this movie or where is like the spider bite in this and that origin story has been told twice in the past 15 years obviously in, in the first sam raimi movie and then also in the first andrew garfield movie right that's been done to death and one of the reasons why homecoming avoids that is because it's been done to death right but if you avoid that element you need to do something else instead of it i think i feel like with doing this story about peter parker you cut out a lot of what makes Peter Parker, Peter Parker. So you cut out the Uncle Ben element. Uncle Ben isn't even mentioned. The spider bite happens off screen. It's referenced in passing in discussion yeah. with Ned. Um, nobody ever says the words of great power comes great responsibility. Like Spider-Man doesn't even swing between well, skyscrapers. You, you, you don't need to say that. I, they, 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 that's just the thing from the Sam Raimi movie. No, I mean, a, I mean, they... they well, it's, it's they, arguably an intrinsic part of Spider-Man's character. They, they like even, Beam Me Up Scotty is an intrinsic part of Star Trek. They even had that uh, moment where they almost did the upside down case. Yeah, and then sort of, which I thought was quite nice. But I, I feel... They, uh, yeah, there, there is a kind of um, sort of innocent naive quality to 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 peter parker like they they he's introduced and he's kind of like he's one of these kids who seems to have a lot going for them and yet he like he's so like, desperate and insecure but like not really because it's, it's weird that he's portrayed as like oh the loser in the school because he's so kind of self-confident in 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 a lot of ways like like he has this video diary and he basically a film does by like, peter parker yeah and he basically does like an unboxing video <laughs> of his, Spider-Man, of his costume. spider-man costume he apparently he has no need to worry about money um he no right, he goes to that. a school that looks like it has very expensive fees yeah um he like there there is a sense that he never he, wants he, he asks out like the most attractive 27 year old girl at his school and she says yes. And I mean, as people who attended school with 27-year-old girls, that's not something that happens very very often. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 um... the faculty don't like it when you hit on them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I certainly agree with that. And I think, but I, I think that like doing another Peter Parker uh, three times in 15 years is a bit much. And I feel like not doing, say, Miles Morales, which would allow you to skip the Uncle Ben, allow you to skip the spider bite that would allow how, you... Sorry, how do we... You could have made that decision and it would be laudable or remarkable, perhaps, or um, for for being... It would be the first superhero movie since Blade, uh, headlined by an African-American character. Right. Did we have a problem with Tom Holland in this movie, though? No, I just feel I just felt like watching it that it didn't feel specifically like a Peter Parker Spider-Man movie. Like it didn't feel like it hit all the the buttons that you would expect the first movie focusing on Peter Parker on this version of Peter Parker to hit, which is like the death of Uncle Ben, the bite of the spider, the swing between buildings, and it didn't hit them for a very good reason because you've done that already twice in the space of fifteen yeah. years. This was very like, like like even the bits where like he. He finds himself in a park where he just has to kind of run through the it. golf clubs. Like, uh, yeah, the the bit where he spends a lot of time in the su- in Queens and in the suburbs. Yeah, which is uh, it's a spoof on the I think Peter David comic. Thus cometh the commuter, where the idea is that like Spider Man, like Spider Man is a character who's designed for Manhattan. He's like one of the characters who's very specifically designed for an urban environment because he his power is to swing between buildings using webs. So he needs there to be a ver- it needs to be a vertical city like New York. Yeah, he couldn't work in say Los Angeles, for example. And he, um, he has this kind of like lame thing where he's trying to where he's trying to um, do that same thing, but 
like he miscalc- bungalows and yeah or or even when he miscalculates when he's doing it in queens and he lands face first on the ground where he miscalculates <laughs> the land or when he's swinging through the street and he ends up sort of running along the concrete or he lands in the pool yeah. like i really like that aspect of it but i do feel like it's, re- it's really weird to watch a spider-man movie where he doesn't swing between skyscrapers that seemed really odd to me because it feels I like i could have done without that you could okay there just, are five other movies just where watch he does those one. yeah okay out loud. I, I like, like. I want. I want the exact same movie, but he's black. No, no, <laughs> that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying I want a movie where the differences in the character are like incorporated into the character by making him a different character. Like I feel like if you're making a Peter Parker movie, make a Peter Parker movie. If you're making a Miles Morales movie, which I would argue this is very much a Miles Morales movie, the right. point where the supporting cast is very heavily influenced by Morales, the point yeah. where Donald Glover's character, right, Donald Glover's character, the Prowler, yeah, and like by the way, this movie is chock full of Easter eggs for people who are fans of the comics. Like uh, the guy on the boat, Matt Gargan, he's the Scorpion. Um, the Shockers, the two versions of the Shockers, are characters who appeared in the comics. The guy who appears, Andrew Garfield, it's not Andrew Garfield, sorry, uh, Donald Glover, who gets his hand glued to the car, he's a supervillain known as the Prowler. But in the comic books, his nephew is Miles Morales. That's who he refers to when he says he doesn't want the guns in the neighborhood because he's got a, a nephew there, for example. Ah. Um, like there is, and, and that's a nice bit of casting because Donald Glover originally inspired the creation of that character. And in fact, he voiced that character, I think, on, on an Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. I think there, there's an extent to which there's all of this comic book lore Do you feel like that? That, that, that you're aware of, which is nice to have it in the movie. Yeah. Um, and while while I think they could have done what you're suggesting, I I think if it, it I can understand why they didn't, and I don't think it's it's right. it's necessarily a lesser movie because be, be, because they didn't make that choice. All right, no, I, I just like, I, I feel I, like it's like I, I like the diversity in the film. I just feel I like would, it's I a half measure. I would I would have I I I I mean I would I would have welcomed them 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 making that decision but i i don't think yeah i i mean they've 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 cast another spider-man who who looks like we expect spider-man to look and they they could they they could have they could have made another decision with it and i would i mean i would have been interested to see that too but I don't think it's a problem right. with the... With no, I, and I, again, I feel sure I should complain about it because this is a much more diverse movie than Marvel have released at yeah, this point. It I does, think like it, it, do, it does seem a little, a little churlish, but I, I, can see, I can see where you're coming from, especially being a person who follows comic books well, I mean, it's, and, it's, and, it's has, the... and has that kind of expectation of, I know what they could do with this. Yeah. Where 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 they could follow that kind of template that's already been established uh, like set a... in the source material. Well, I mean, well that that's the argument is that like these days comic books don't sell as much as they used to obviously. They're they're pretty much a dying market and they're owned by these conglomerates like Warner's and like like Disney for example. But the the published comic books exist primarily as a research and development department. Like there's an argument to be made that one of the things about Spider-Man Homecoming is that it exists basically to set up a second generation of this Marvel Cinematic Universe because the X-Men universe is, has rebooted. That's what it's decided to do. So it's decided to go from like James McAvoy, sorry, it's not from James McAvoy, but go from Patrick Stewart to James McAvoy, from Ian McKellen to Michael Fassbender. And it's decided that's how it's going to deal with things like actors aging and dying. It's going to retire Wolverine by letting sort of, uh, by giving you Jackman one last movie. 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something that's going to age and expand. It's finally to... let you Jackman to get a belly. <laughs> <laughs> he finally doesn't have to work out. You, I like the fact that you, you seem to believe that you Jackman will ever be cast in a role that won't require him to be physically perfect. <laughs> like there's some sort of insider starring you Jackman where he'll just be this intensely handsome man who has an additional five pounds on him. This, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll become a, a Russell Crowe. <laughs> Overnight. It just happens so quickly. Um, but I, I do feel like, so Marvel have basically, they're not going to do that. They're not going to reboot. And it looks like Homecoming might suggest like a wave of the teachers. They're going to introduce a next generation of characters. And they're going to move characters like, say, Robert Downey Jr., who is a character in the Marvel Universe, but like Iron Man into a role of mentor and let sort of a younger generation come up. So you have stuff like in this movie, like this is the first Spider-Man movie set in the Marvel shared universe. So yeah. he's a, he's like, he's a second generation hero now. He's a character who's grown up in a world where, and like Tom Holland has argued that, you know, Iron Man 2. Tom Holland has argued uh, yeah. that Peter Parker actually appears in Iron Man 2 because you know the bit at the end where all the robots attack at the, the behest of Mickey Rourke where they attack the fair. You know, there's a little kid who has an Iron Man mask on and he does the thing and then Tony pops down behind him and blows up the robot. According to Tom Holland, as far as he's concerned, that character is Peter Parker. And that's yeah. what that's the moment that inspired him to become a hero. Not the death of Uncle Ben, but the fact that he saw Iron Man save the day and save lots of people firsthand. And when he got bitten by a spider, he decided he could do something similar. Like the Marvel Universe is so different from our world that putting on a funny costume and saving people is a legitimate decision to make. It doesn't need an explanation anymore. How 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 do you feel about Spider-Man making his own web juice? This is one of the big issues with Spider-Man because Spider-Man is a working class hero, right? The, the, as we're told repeatedly over the course of the film. And in, say, the Sam Raimi films where he's constantly working jobs. He's, he's like The argument is that Peter Parker should be the put-upon corner of the Marvel Universe, right? But he's also a kid who can make his own web juice like there is no reason that this character should ever want for money like and this is this is something like if he can make web juice i like that we're calling it web juice by the way <laughs> um if he can make his own web juice um Fluid. his own web... <laughs> people like that word because <laughs> <laughs> juice doesn't have any other connotations by the way try, try, try and find a, a word for something that's like, like white sticky and protruding from moist. a teenager yeah his white moisture his, his web moisture um if Spidey, if, if Peter Parker can manufacture all this himself, there is no reason why he should be living, you know, in a dingy apartment with Aunt May. He should be living in a mansion. Like, um, you know, he should be basically, he should never have to worry about anything ever again. And I feel like, I like that the Raimi movies, like comic book purists like the idea of the web shooters because they come from the comics. I don't yeah, think they make sense I... as a character. I think it makes sense for him being a spider, him being like Spider-Man being able to manufacture his own web that doesn't come from his ass. It just yeah. happens to come from his wrist. From his That's a very different movie, by the way. And I feel like that would not sell well in middle America. Although I do like, like the image of Spider-Man spinning between buildings by positioning himself like a pistol. It, you can't just make up stuff about Spider-Man. He has semen that comes out of his hands. Yes, well, it is a metaphor for puberty, as we discussed at the start yeah. of the episode. I was half serious, by the way. And, uh, some, I'll let you guess which half. out of his dingling. Yeah, you know there is a comic book where um, Spider-Man kills Mary Jane um, because he's radioactive in that regard. His web fluid is radioactive, if you catch my meaning. Somebody in the Marvel offices thought that would be a good do comic book I to write. catch your meaning? Yeah, yeah, I do. But yeah, somebody in the Marvel offices thought that would be a fun comic to write. 
What if? I'm sure it was a fun comic to write. <laughs> Probably less fun to read. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's a terrible comic. But I, I, I feel I'm like, sure, like, like the, the people, publishers there have got to be like, well, you know, you, you've written these comics before. And also, I think the people buying them are going to buy it anyway. So what They're could possibly gonna, go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the worst thing that will happen from this is someone will be like, that was weird. Yeah. I'm going to keep buying because yeah. I'm, a, I'm an obsessive collector of these things. By the way, it doesn't have a foil cover is the question here. But I, I do feel like, yeah, I feel like Peter... And this is one of the things that sort of bugs me about making Iron Man a part of Peter's origin. is the fact that, like, if... Peter is friends with Tony Stark. He never has to work a day in his life. Like Tony just writes a check basically or sets up a bursary or a trust. And Peter never has to worry about Aunt May being provided for. He never has to worry about paying an electricity bill. What does Aunt May do? What do we think she does? Apparently it's being hot according to the other male members of the cast. Is it it a great advertisement for life assurance? <laughs> you think Uncle Ben had a really nice policy? And Peter Parker's parents. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, they, they, they. I they, like the idea that Aunt May only took Peter in on, because that was the key to getting well, that. She was his godmother. Yeah, that key um, to getting our, that life insurance. Our Uncle policy. Ben was his godfather. Yeah, and um, and and so um, you gotta get that sweet money, that sweet life insurance. No, it's it, 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 he he was just a trust fund um, <laughs> child up until the point where where they had no access um, to that money and still don't. She's living off um, Uncle Ben's uh, life insurance policy. Yeah. I do sort of feel that's an issue that I have with making Tony such an important part of his origin is the fact that you lose that sense of Parker being an everyday hero. Although you could argue whether or not you ever had that with like a kid who could manufacture like stuff that can <laughs> stick a guy to a wall for two hours. Mm. Like what? when could he ever need for money? Like all he needs to do is just spend an afternoon thinking about jet fuel and he's set for life pretty much. What's wrong with that? I don't think that, well, I, I feel like as, as, how does that that seems kind of strange it's like well Peter Parker is supposed to be this working class hero well, because the movie tells us so much that he's a working class hero. The but movie... he's really smart. No, but he's so, really he's really smart and he's inventing things that have material yeah. uses. So like, like Peter Parker should be running a social start... mobility. It's, yeah, but it, he can't you, have... you don't stop being a from a working class background if 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 you're very capable and can choose to be a millionaire <laughs> yeah but i feel like then you you can't have like in, in spider-man homecoming 2 which by the way is getting an undisclosed avenger i like that that's the term of the agreement with with marvel and sony is that spider-man homecoming 2 will have an undisclosed avenger uh, it's like you might end up with thor or you might end up with ant-man we're not sure yet i kind of do want a spider-man ant-man team up but I, is that man an Avenger? I haven't seen so War. <laughs> he might be an Avenger in some way, shape, or form. Well, look, if Ant Man can get Falcon, we are all set. Okay. But I feel like if in Homecoming two, Tony Stark's like, oh, by the way, that web fluid that turned you into a millionaire, and you're now running a startup. He can't really go then. Well, I like your Springsteeny working class hero vibe thing you got going. I feel like that's undercut by that. No. Although, of course, as we pointed out, that, that stuff's already undercut by the fact that he goes to the nicest prep school in the history of the world. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah. I think it's... it's it, They do this in movies and TV a lot, where they're like... Um, the people who make movies and TVs are... are, are <laughs> Have no like, understanding what, what, what working does a class? house look like? Yeah. Or, uh, or an apartment? We don't want... 
I'm sure you can you can have a, a modest, realistic living spaces that won't look like utter crap when <laughs> when when they're in a movie or a television show. Yeah, like when when I remember we we saw um, Gone Girl. Yes, where where they lose everything, but <laughs> aside from a huge bloody house. <laughs> yeah. Complete with its decorating furnishings and and all the technology. You have nothing but this huge house and a business in the town. Yeah, and a small bar that, you know... Yeah, the fact that, yeah, it's not even that they're mortgaging the the thing. It's that they had to spend the last of our money buying the bar. It's like in the teeth. People (laughs) who are genuinely... (laughs) Suffering. Yeah. And who are genuinely... not suffering. But scraping by. Yeah. I I feel like... like, I'm not not suffering economically. But I have to think about money all the time. Yeah. And you can't just go, well, the bar is not making as much money as it should. But that's okay yeah. because we bought it outright using my brownstone money. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like it's very hard to present a character having brownstone money as, as sort of a working class hero. And I feel like there's an element of that at, at work here. It's a real detachment. Yeah, from... from movies. Uh, certain movies anyway. And, but it's... And, and the way real people live and how relatable... The people making this movie think it's going to be. Yeah, what 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 they're pitching it as versus you know what it actually is. Yeah, but I mean, may, maybe maybe people want to look at movies and feel kind of aspirational about them. But I but feel it, like it, if you're it, doing it, that, then you don't make such a big deal of the working classness of it. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like if this and were also, just, I never enjoy that stuff. In, what the in... the. The aspirational sort of the the no, nice the, houses the, and the nice yeah the the or the, the patronizing sort of tone because in some ways it is patronizing. Well, I, I I think I think it annoys me more in in movies where they're meant to be kind of um, doing doing poorly yeah. and they're doing so incredibly <laughs> so very well. well yeah um, and I feel like yeah there there is maybe an element of that here although to be fair at least this doesn't like the Raimi movies put a huge emphasis on. Peter Parker like running jobs and like working as a pizza delivery man and, and a bicycle delivery man and all yeah. that sort of menial tasks in order to get his family by like he becomes a pro wrestler in order to get money to buy a bike for example at one point which is yeah. almost like the, a level of absurdity about this but he, I, he he becomes a a bike delivery man so that he can raise enough money to mm-hmm. to buy a pizza it, it's basically it is sort of a social mobility in action but I do I do feel like Homecoming doesn't overplay that hand like, because you never get a sense of, like, to- he does the Stark internship, which is basically code for being a superhero. But he Bike never works. Delivery. He never has to work. Like, there's never a sense that Peter has to worry. That- He's 15. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair point. Um, I mean, but, like, as, as a working class character. about. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is actually doing a job. <laughs> and like, being a superhero and yeah. attending school at the same time. Pretending to have an internship. Like, yeah, he's he's... He's he's doing okay. I feel like he's getting by. Yeah, you thing. you can't you can't really criticize him too much for like whoa, why, <laughs> why, 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 why isn't why isn't he um a, a, a janitor at the same <laughs> at, time at yeah. the school where he's learning? I feel I like this idea that you're pitching this as sort of like a goodwill hunting, you know, a, a good Peter hunting almost. Of yeah. The, uh, of the uh, of the Spider-Man universe and the Marvel universe, but I do like I like the fact that this is much lower key and much lower scale than the other superhero movies and most of the Marvel movies. In that, as you pointed out, there is no city demolition at the end of it. There is no nine eleven imagery, despite the fact the climax takes place on a plane. Yeah. I like the I like the recurring suggestion that that tombs pilotless plane as well as well just to make sure there's no consequence. I like the recurring bit where Tombs is like right hand tech guy is like. 
we let me build like the super atmospheric flight and like Tombs is like no I, I don't feel like I really need that at the moment I feel like that's maybe an upgrade too far I feel like my, my death glider costume is working for me as it is I feel like we're at the right level now like yeah but sub atmospheric flight is like yeah I, again right level right now although you have to wonder at what point Tombs sort of went you know what I need I need a wing harness mm. like at what point was he like this is what I need to build Say four four months in. Yeah, four months in. He's like, well, walking is for saps. Yeah. Because it, it does feel like that's the one part of his character arc that's never fully explained. It's like, why why wings? Wings are awesome. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want some wings? I always like, want some wings. <laughs> all sorts of wings. <laughs> all sorts of wings. Uh, particularly with hot spicy sauces on them. Yeah, if they asked if they asked me would I like some super wings, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be what I'm going for. This is not what I want at all. That's exactly how it happened. He went into a restaurant one night, expressed his fondness for wings, and by the time he got back to the office the following Monday, his tech guy had built the harness, and it was just too awkward to say no. Yeah, his 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 tech guy also got chicken wings just in case. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't want to let the guy down. I love the mundane utility as well. I love the bit where he, he opens the beer fridge using the same gizmos that he uses to break through the wall um, <laughs> on the cargo container. Like, I, I do really like that aspect of the film. Like, I like the sense that this is a world where superheroes exist and where alien technology exists, and this is just the fact of living now. Yeah. Because it, it feels and, almost like a Star Trek sort of universe. You know, the way that it sort that, of builds up cohesion as it goes. The guy, that guy as well, the... Um, the tech guy? Yeah. And not, not um, I don't know any of the names of the characters. Not the shocker, not either of the shockers. No, um... He's not evil, nor 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 <laughs> nor does he feel like he's kind of contributing to an evil enterprise. Yeah, and 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 he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't feel like what what have I gotten into? Yeah, this isn't me. <laughs> there's never a moment of conscience, yeah. but there's also never a moment of lack of conscience. It's just like I like building stuff. We're really um, struggling the way the way. Um, these last eight years have <laughs> <laughs> been really difficult for Americans like us. Yeah. Well, it's quite a coincidental timescale, wouldn't you think, Andrew? Um, what what lasted eight years and led to a resurgence of like white working class resentment? I wonder. Is Spider-Man Homecoming the movie that we need right now? I think so. I also like the fact that this is from John Watts, whose only real credit before this was the movie Cop Car. Which is basically... Cop yeah, Cop Car. That's one with Kevin Bacon. I so, still have no idea uh, what that is. Yeah, it's, it's a movie in which... And it's pretty much... It's exact... It's You can tell the influence that it had on Spider-Man Homecoming because it's... Or why he was chosen to do it. It's a movie in which two kids steal a cop car that belongs to Kevin Bacon. Uh, Kevin Bacon is a corrupt cop who just wants to kill somebody and bury some bodies. Uh, but the car is stolen by a bunch of kids who are exploring and wayward. And the movie embarks and follows Kevin Bacon as he's goes through this humiliating trail of being constantly outwitted by a bunch of 10-year-olds. Uh, there's a weird sense that uh, it's it's quite quite a good movie. It's quite entertaining and it builds to an interesting climax. But like there's a sense that in some ways it, it that sort of sensibility bleeds over to Homecoming where it's a sense that like Toombs is basically cast in the role of Kevin Bacon there where he just wants to make some money. He just wants to sell yeah. some weapons and I, this pesky kid just keeps getting in the way. There's a sense in which he's not he was not prepared for <laughs> for 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 what has kind of happened because it, it, it it's not like they've been defeating all of these superheroes for 8 years. Yeah. Like they they it feels like he's very capable of 
Like I would, I would, I would, I would argue that he's that he's toying with 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 Spider Man at several, and I, I genuinely do. Uh, like you mean the bit where I he drags him up into the air and tries to drop him? I think that's a pretty clear attempt to kill him when he first meets him. Like the bit where he drags him up into the sky, and you get that nice silhouette of. Um, it's the point where Spider Man's chasing the the truck through the suburbs. I don't get that sense. Oh, okay. I mean, like you think he would have just put him down and said, "Don't try that again, kid." I mean, it's it's maybe one of these things of a movie like this where, of course, the villain <laughs> is going to have loads of opportunities to kill this person. But the reason they don't kill this person is not because they're inherently good. It's because the person needs to survive <laughs> because in order the for there character. to be a movie. Yeah, or yeah. And a sequel, potentially. Yeah, yeah. So, like, may- maybe the whole thing about, like, me feeling like... <laughs> like, like Tooms isn't like such a could have killed him many times and chose not to. It's not that the character well, chose not to. It's that the... To like, be fair. It, it was that unrealistic thing in movies where James Bond is always... Um, <laughs> always in captive, but never shot through the head. It's yeah. always an elaborate mechanism through which he has to escape. To be fair, there's an argument to be made that the closing, the, the first post credit scene uh, suggests your reading or supports your reading of it, which is where he's in prison with, with Gargan the Scorpion. Yeah. And, and Gargan basically asks him, there's a rumour you know who Spider-Man is. I think there's a lot to support the... the your position, your yeah. argument. Well, of course, I would think that. Yeah, having made that argument with that position, but I do think the, like the closing scene is quite, you know, you know that uh, you know that Marvel is not Marvel. You know that Sony is planning a whole Spider-Man shared universe, right? Oh, why would I know that? Okay, I know nothing. <laughs> please assume that I start with nothing, because they have a host of projects that they're planning. Because basically, Sony don't really have a big franchise in the same way that, that the other studios do. Spider-Man is basically their cornerstone. So they decided what they're gonna do is they're gonna Tomb Raider, yeah, and that's a classic, right? But they they've decided that they're going to uh, take the Spider-Man franchise for every single penny that is worth. So over the next five to ten years, you can look forward to, in no particular order, two more sequels to Spider-Man: Homecoming, at least, if not three. Right. You can look forward to a Venom spin-off starring Tom Hardy. Right. You can look forward to a movie called Black and Silver, starring the Silver Sable and the Black Cat, uh, which is yet on cast, but is still looking for a director. There's also the possibility there's going to be a movie focusing on the villain Craven the Hunter. It's going to be a solo movie focusing on the villain Mysterio. And there's also the oft-mooted, uh, but yet to be confirmed, Sinister Six, which Drew Goddard... Uh, ah! <laughs> that... It makes me think of Spider-Man <laughs> um, Turn Off the Dark or what do you yeah, call it? that's exactly, yeah, the musical. Do you ever see um, that uh, the Sinister Six on, like, Letterman? <laughs> Something that we'll if you have the time show to listen to this podcast. You have time to look it up. Yeah. But yeah, there's a sense that and, they... and, Oh, yeah, and probably probably if, if you found this podcast, then you've already found everything else <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Out of there so maybe room. you don't need a link. <laughs> you all, or you are already familiar with this. Yeah. But there is, there's a sense that, yeah, there's a sense that, like, Sony is going to build an entire multimedia empire around this 21-year-old Tom Holland. You get the sense with the cast, Tom Holland, they're like, yeah, are you familiar with this, with the terms of 40-year contract? They're like, what, wait, what? Yeah, it's just a standard thing, 40-year contract. But it is, I, yeah, it is kind of surreal to think that we live in a world where you will have an entire franchise built around Spider-Man as a character. Not just sequels. But like tangential stuff, like Michael Keaton maybe getting his own spin-off. 
in which he leads a team of five other supervillains. I would watch that movie. I have to admit, having watched this, I would quite enjoy a movie where apparently it's a heist movie where Michael Keaton is basically leading a bunch of supervillains in an elaborate heist thriller. Yeah, because I, I feel like that plays into the kind of villain that's, that, he is. that he is. He's doing this to to make money because yeah. we live in an economy and that's what we all do. Yeah. We, uh, we, the, the, You've got to leverage your skills and sometimes yeah. your skills involve wings uh, that fly you through the sky like some sort of vulture creature. Yeah, the... the 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 thing the thing that we don't share in common with with villains is this need to watch the world burn. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's just we're 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 getting by and like kind of you know doing 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 what we can to support ourselves and our loved ones. This is tombs. I'm about kind to say, of so like, you're, what you're saying is uh, we are all tombs. Plans. Yeah, we are yeah. all. We were all tombs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he 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 does live in a mansion. <laughs> he um, really does. He's not as hard off as he pretends to be. Like, yeah, I don't think he he needed to do as much as he did in order to like, sell as like, many not weapons. completely humiliate himself. It's like, how am I going to go home to my wife and, in my and, giant mansion yeah. with all these glass windows? Yeah, like it because. It ends up owning him. Damn those mortgage payments, Andrew. You don't see those mortgage payments. But I do. I do. I also like the the mention at the end that he's sending his family to live in is it Oregon, Oregon, while the trial is taking place. And I kind of want, I want there to be a tr- a difficulty in saying Oregon. There really was a difficulty in saying Oregon. But uh, I do feel like there's. I would love. I would be the only person in the world who would love this. But I would love if the Spider-Man Homecoming sequel was just a court drama in which Michael Keaton sits in the witness stand wearing a set of like animatronic wings. And the whole case hinges on the fact that, yeah, that he was arrested by a 21 year old dressed in his pajamas who obviously cannot testify. Like, can you imagine the chain of evidence that exists in this case? Do I have to? No, no, you don't. Oh, good. I'm thinking more like Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, basically, is what I'm imagining. <laughs> um, just with a he literal did remind Birdman. remind me of that character from Rick and Morty. Yes, Birdman. The, 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 he, he is even, it because he, he had that gravity? Is that the, uh... You know, he, 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 he even had, like, a kind of a sheepskin coat with, like, what looked like feathers. Yes. Well, that, that's one of my, my favorite things about the movie. And this is something that's very comic book geeky. But it's the fact that, like, the attention to detail that was paid, like, so for, you know the bit where it's where Spider-Man's caught underneath all the rubble after the building collapses on him, and like for you, where you're talking about how for a Marvel cinematic hero, that's like a minor setback at best that buys yeah. you ten minutes. That's a sequence lifted directly from a Steve Ditko comic. That that's beautiful and iconic. And like the shot where he's looking in the water at his reflection, the mask is off, and it's half of his face and half of the Spider-Man mask. Yeah, that's a recurring motif that Ditko used when he was illustrating, which I think is another nice touch. But even like the bit you're talking about where Toombs wears the leather jacket while he's out flying and he has the white mane, the white yeah. sort of sheepskin thing. That's a nod to the characters, which, to be honest, ridiculous original 60s costume, which basically gave him a lion's mane. Ah. And it's like I love that the costume designer working on the film found a way to make that practical. And to make it in a way that didn't look completely ridiculous. That looked like that looked striking visually like the original design of the character, but in a way that wasn't like, why is this guy wearing a lion's mane? Yeah, I suppose they they the the that person had to justify like how 
they and four other people were being paid so much money. <laughs> like the, the, the thing is that these these big huge movies have genuinely artistic and creative people doing um, creative and artistic things in in when it comes to these small aspects that only only people like me will notice exactly yeah that only like and, and to be honest it is that the absurd minority of fans and it is blatant fan service because we talked about this at the start where sony basically said their pr people said ask reporters not to spoil or to discuss plot elements and there's a sense that they did that in order to preserve these elements and these surprises like because it never felt jarring though no it, I, it was I all integrated somebody, very very well somebody who doesn't know uh, any of this uh, uh, yeah, as like you didn't to... know, you didn't know anything about Donald Glover apart from the fact no. that he was in some way tied to the Black Spider. Yeah, and I never felt like what's all this. Yeah, as as in like if somebody were to watch the the Last new Harry Star Potter. Trek movies yeah, yeah. and 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 races, my name is Khan or or however yeah. they like reveal it, and they're like bam bam bam. And yeah, the music and the way it's framed tells you a big deal, but you've got no context for that. Yeah, like nobody knows right. who Khan is apart from the guy that Kirk shouted at that one time. Yeah. Here's the thing. Do you think that the movie sort of bumbles that last minute reveal of Mary Jane, actually? Because that's that's the one that's jarring. Yeah, like, I all the rest... was late, late, uh, weak sauce. All the other ones are quite well integrated. Like, because you don't need to it, know it, who... It, it, it felt... It, like, I thought the Dark Knight Rises bit with Robin was just as bad. Um, maybe worse. Because it does remind me a bit of that Khan reveal from Star Trek, which is like, there's no reason to keep this character's identity secret for the course of the movie. Like, there's nothing that you're paying off by having this line appear at the end, except just, a nod to the fans. Just don't have an MJ. Or just call her MJ. Well, this I suppose this is one of the things. Like, one of the things that I like about Homecoming that's also quite frustrating, because we talked about how it doesn't have all the conventional Peter Parker elements. It avoids a lot of the baggage that the character has in the other five films. So, like, there's no Goblin. Like, there's not a single Osborne in sight in this movie. There's not a single Stacy in sight either, which is... I don't cool. know what... <laughs> well, the, the Osborne character... I don't care. Okay. But, okay, basically, it avoids a lot of the ground that has been well-trodden in the previous five films. And I think that's quite refreshing. Yeah. And I feel like there's, yeah, perhaps there's no that's need... That's a good thing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want... Another reheat of yeah, the last and... one. And yet, at the same time, there was so much in this movie for people, people who could pick yeah, up. Yeah, who can go deep and like, I'm not ever going to care or, or I suppose get excited about uh, these sorts of nods or references yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, but, I, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed it on its own terms. Yeah, I didn't need any, and and if there had been any. Um, like the most obvious thing was the was the MJ thing. Yeah, and I think that, and, that and was the moment where it didn't work because it just built too much into it. And it, it's like we're singling this moment out because the others work so well. Like mm. the, the fact that this is the only one that we're really complaining about and not the appearance yeah. of Donald Glover or not the appearance from Matt Gargan or whatever. Like the fact that we're singling this bit out as the one that jarred is the fact is a testament to how well the rest of the movie worked, I think. Yeah. Um, and it is. And I feel I feel like there was no reason not to call her MJ for the rest of the movie or to not call her MJ at all. Like, one of those two options. Either of them are good. But the way that they did it was perhaps a bit much. All right, so is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Aside from how great Hannibal Barres is. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I, I I, was hoping for a little bit more from him, but I like that. I, the I, Hannibal Barres role. The, yeah, like, yeah. The coach. You know that he got into a little bit of trouble with I Sony. can imagine, because he, he's not guarded about talking about... 
You didn't hear what he did with the premiere, did you? I did, I did, I did, I saw that. He said he put up an ad, an ad on Craigslist, I believe. Yeah. Where he was looking for a lookalike. No, I, I heard him talking on it on his most recent episode. This <laughs> the, is the the Rambler, the handsome yeah, Rambler. Yeah. The funny thing about it was like, how does it feel? How does it feel to be kind of like for uh, for for your name to just kind of blow up like this? And he was like. Uh, it's kind of like when it happened that first time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that other time yeah. uh, I was uh, in the news. About that other thing, which is yeah. in no way a current affair thing that's currently about. But I really liked that. I, I thought that was quite amusing that he did that. You know that Sony actually interviewed the guy crediting him as Hannibal Buress. So Buress hired an, yeah. a, an actor to play him at the premiere. Who looked very little like Hannibal Buress, to be honest. He he was cast as a lookalike, but he did not really look like him that much. But they actually interviewed him with the text down the bottom of the screen saying Hannibal Buress. They had to edit the live stream of the premiere after uh, <laughs> people started pointing out that this was on Hannibal Buress. Like I, I think it's hilarious, and Hannibal's Hannibal's attitude to it has been, this is good for the movie. Well, because people talking it, about it. Yeah, it's like people can't be annoyed about this because, like, every everybody kind of gets something out of it. I got a kind of, you know, um, a little boost. Yeah, the 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 and like I thought this would be funny, and it was, and and it's 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 generated like um, publicity for the movie. I know. I I can sort of understand why, if I were an executive, I would be a little bit peeved at this. Because you're lame. It is because I'm lame and I play by all the rules. If if you if you are, I'm the executive. happy Hogan. I'm the happy Hogan of this particular podcast. Yeah. In that I'm not happy at all. <laughs> I am never happy. I'm not saying you're lame. I'm saying this version that you've thought of yourself <laughs> as this executive. You're like, I can picture myself as this executive, and I'm a safe pair of hands. Yeah, and I'm very <laughs> reliable. Very reliable. Yeah, um, I. I, I I think we have to think about unintended uh, consequences here. Yeah, um, Andrew. Yeah. I, that being said, I would kind of love for you to be a Hollywood executive. Just be like, "Yep, green light and that, green light and that, green light and that." That's the way we're rolling. Yeah. What's Nick Cage doing <laughs> right now? If it's not a movie with us, I don't want to hear about it. Are there any roller coasters that don't have movies? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Cyclone is the way to go now. Yeah. What about the Rock and Roller Coaster? That kind of has a movie. Teacups. Think, yeah. I feel like we could do something with this property right now. I, f- I see a 10-movie franchise here. Well, regards to film. If people are listening to this, yeah, I, I would say go out and see it. it. It won't... I don't think it will blow your socks off. I, I don't think many of the the kind of Mar- Marvel movies, Marvel movies well, do. They're the definition of the safe pair of hands, I would argue. Like, they're they're confident, they're well-made. Like, they're, like, like they're, they're interesting enough to... Merit two hours of conversation from us. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, no! But uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah. When you think about it like that, God, how much, how much of our lives have we wasted talking about superhero movies? I think that the Marvel method is sound. I think that it gets at once too much criticism and too much credit because I mean, I feel like this doesn't belong on the two fifty. I feel like I'm very generous when I say I'm glad a movie's on the two fifty, even if I don't think it's one of the great top two hundred fifty movies of all time. I'm not sure that this really deserved to make the two fifty at all. It's a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was pleasant. It was diverting. Yeah. It was fun. It was nice in, in many ways. I would like to see more movies that are nice in the way that this movie's nice. But I, I don't think that it was groundbreaking or amazing. You know? Yeah. With that ringing endorsement in your ears, um, you can find us online at the 250. 
You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, we're on Black Hole uh, Podcast Network at the moment, the Podbean. Um, you can find us there with uh, podcasts like Between the Notes, uh, Everything's Left, and even Black Hole Cinema. Um, Andrew, where can we find you online? A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. Oh, guess what? What? Norm MacDonald is coming back. Is he? I, 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 Was I he away? His podcast is coming back. I thought this was one of the things where he only did it like once every six months or once every like yeah, year. Yeah, but you never know if it's ever <laughs> going to come back. He just Has like, he announced that it's coming back? Yeah, yeah, June, uh, July 29th. He always announced a date. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. And listeners, you should be as well. Um, you can find me online at Darren Underscore Um, If you like the podcast, tell everyone. If you don't like it, tell us. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.